Peace. You're tuned into the Edible Activist Podcast. I am your host and favorite edible activist, Melissa L. Jones. On this show, we feed you empowering narratives and perspectives from the voices of emerging Black people and people of color in food and agriculture who are stewarding the land, healing communities, and advocating for food justice and economic power across the globe. Our rich contributions and stories exemplify the spirit of activism in their own edible way. Let's get started. So for today's show, we are talking nutrition, growing food, and healing, all right? A fusion. So just there's a pot and we got a fusion of those things happening. Those are a few ingredients, right? We're gonna add more to the pot when I when I bring my guests into the virtual stage. So I'm super excited to have um, Ray Vanderpool, who is a registered dietitian and registered dietitian nutritionist. Let me get this right. With a focus on integrative functional nutrition. And so when we say functional, right? Like functional, like things that actually work in a mix of things. And so um, Ray has this amazing business that we're gonna learn more about right is the owner of insight nutrition who has helped a number of clients dealing with in hormonal imbalances and some other um, challenges um, that 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 ray has been able to um, support clients with and really ray has a story of of ray's own um, who has dealt with some some health challenges and so we're going to listen to ray's story in a bit but i'm going to bring ray into my my virtual my virtual stage and unmute right whatever hey what's good <laughs> pleasure to be here yes right like i said we've been connected on social media for a while mm-hmm. and this is our first like actual virtual you know meet and greet if yes, you will <laughs> i i am real i am human <laughs> right pinch the cheek yes yes yep. yes well i i am excited to have you ray you have a story of your own. Um, as I said before, you're the owner of Insight Nutrition, and there's always a, a background story that gets us to this place, right? Whether it's a good one, a bad one, an ugly one. A long ugly, one. A long one, exactly. <laughs> but I'm, I'm just excited to have you because this is a, we're going to talk about a mix of things. So again, from nutrition to growing food, because I know that is part of what, as you, in your words, like saved your life, you know, like that really, you know, was, mm-hmm. was really instrumental in your journey um and also healing because there's a healing aspect too which to me is just always a journey right always on the on a journey to to healing and so um want to start off by just you know tapping into to to who you are and a bit of your background and to share you know what what your your health and healing story um your health and healing story and leading us to insight nutrition and some other great things that we'll talk about during the show yeah well thank you for that um Goodness. Yeah. So my story is long. I will try to give you guys the condensed like cliff notes version of it. So basically when I went to undergrad, I actually started out wanting to be a journalist. Halfway through the program, didn't really like what they were doing, switched to sociology. What the hell do you do with a degree in sociology? You work as a social worker or in like nonprofit social justice, that kind of a thing. So I was working at this nonprofit in Ithaca, New York. And I one day just all of a sudden got really sick and I grew up with a father who was a physician, so he felt like he could treat anything and everything, even though he was a psychiatrist. It's like, dad, stay in your lane. (laughs) Um, So unfortunately, I did not choose to go to the doctor. I don't recommend that, but I I chose not to go to my doctor. I was like, 
I'm going to let my body heal itself. It's going to figure this out. Because I was, you know, Ithaca, New York is a very hippie, very liberal type of environment. So during that time, I missed about two weeks of work and four weeks of, at the time I was in a dance group, just for, you know, fun, not for performance or anything. But when I finally went back to dance practice, <clears throat> my instructor was like, where the hell have you been? So I told her, I was like, I woke up one day, I like sat up in bed, I felt faint and nauseous. I couldn't move my legs, like I had to crawl my way to the bathroom. Like I was, I don't know what it was, something viral. Why? Yeah, why I should have probably gone to the doctor, but I was stubborn and was like, I'm not gonna go. So don't recommend it. Um, so I told her what happened to me and she's like, you know, something like that happened to me and I went and saw DJ so-and-so's wife who's a nutritionist and I found out I'm allergic to rice. Hold the phone. I'm Dominican, so I eat rice every day of my life. So for somebody to tell me they're allergic to rice, I was like, I don't know that this is real. Right. And she's like, but, you know, just go go see so-and-so's wife. And like, I'm like, okay. Because like, it was the wife of a DJ in our dance scene. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll check out this lady. You know, I, I'm probably more comfortable with the nutritionist than a doctor. So I went to see her. I don't even remember what my initial reasons for seeing her were because this was so long ago. But... Um, I do, well, actually, no, I remember I was having a lot of migraines. I was having a lot of like PMS, um, really strong cramp syndrome, um, um, symptoms, some digestive, <coughs> excuse me, digestive issues. I think that was the main things. And like within a couple of weeks, a lot of those had alleviated. And I was really curious. It's like, how do you know this stuff? Like, you know, she'd be recommending like, you know, eat this, don't eat that. Here's the supplement, da, 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 da. And I was like, how do you know all this stuff? And so she would tell me like, well, I read this book and I read this book. So after me going to the library for like the 40th time checking out the, these books she recommended, it was kind of like a light bulb went off for me. And I was like, I think this is what I want to do with my life. Like, I think I want to be like in some kind of a like nutritional healing, but I didn't want to go be a doctor. So did an online certificate program first just to kind of not spend too much money just to see like, is this really what I want? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I did a, like a holistic, like whole health education program, which was great. It gave me a really good foundation for more holistic type of, um, you know, medical care, but it was specifically designed for people who were already practicing in the medical field. The only reason that I was allowed in is because I had a degree in sociology. So I was considered like a, like a, what was the term? Like an allied professional. So I was just like, okay, after two years of doing that program, I realized I really want to work with people who are really sick. Um, but in order to do that, I got to get my medical credentials. So that's why I went to school to become a dietitian. So fast forward, <clears throat> um, I'm in school and I'm in school in Boston, which is where I currently reside. Um, and I start getting really fatigued. I'm like getting cold, even though it's not cold outside. I'm like, what is going on with mm. me? Go to the doctor run some antibody tests, turns out I have autoimmune hypothyroid, also called Hashimoto's. Mm -hmm. The damage wasn't severe enough to my thyroid to warrant taking hormone replacement therapy. But the doctor at the time was fairly holistic. and was like, you know, if you do these things, you could probably delay your need to take medication and save your thyroid for a little bit longer. I was like, all right, bet. I'm definitely want to do that. I don't want to have to be a medication if I don't have to, or like, let me delay it as much as I can. So that really kind of got me interested more on that side of things. They don't teach that in dietetic school though. Um, they teach you like the very basic, like count your calories, you yeah. know, only eat brown rice. You can't have white rice, do yeah. this, all this, da, 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 da. But I knew better because I had the holistic education behind me. So I was right. just like, I know I'm going to be fed a lot of 
conventional, you know, traditional medicine. So I'm just going to bite my tongue and just, you know, keep it, <laughs> keep it pushing. <coughs> and I apologize to your listeners. I'm battling something from like a month ago. That's okay. But, but you know what? It's good. So <laughs> Ray said, I'm going to bite my tongue because you had some prior knowledge, right? And so yeah. good for you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, unfortunately, I am my father's daughter. So like I will... I will lash out. And I was just like, I really need to keep my mouth shut. I'm trying to get these good grades. I'm right. trying to get these recommendations. So I get to my internship. So I can get my credentials. Like, let me just, just hold But it up. must have been a, a challenging, I know for me, because it's like, once you know better, you do better, right? So you yeah. came in knowing the holistic side, right? Mm -hmm. And then here you are hearing more of the conventional ways and mm -hmm. means to do things, right? And so... I would have just been sitting at the edge of my seat. <laughs> just, but um, I, I just, I chuckle when you say that because I feel you, even though I haven't yeah. gone through it, but I, I understand. I understand. <laughs> yeah. There were a couple of times I challenged my professors, but I wasn't like, I wasn't too aggressive with it because the last thing you want is like to be the only brown person in a classroom of a bunch of white people and be the aggressive one. So I was I... just like, mm. yeah, I had yeah. like two of my classmates were of color and I only had one professor who was of color, they were Asian. And then when I did my internship in uh, Virginia, of 12 students, I was the only person of color, the only queer person. Mm -hmm. And of 45 supervisors, only two were women of color. Wow. So it was definitely a very <laughs> intense experience, uh, dare I say, slightly traumatic as well. It was actually, mm. I graduated um, the very same year as the Tiki Torch Rally, because this was in Charlottesville. <laughs> So I was like, yeah, I'm getting out. I'm never coming back to the side of Virginia. I'm sorry if any of your listeners are from that part. It was not a good time for me. I, a lot of things <laughs> in Charlotte are triggering. So you, I'm sure you're not <laughs> who's listening. So, all right. Yeah, so it's like, I just, yeah, stay, stay in my lane. So anyway, um, <clears throat> so went through school, got my internship, got my credentials, started working at this um, private practice that specializes in eating disorders wasn't really my cup of tea. Um, I always knew that I wanted to have my own practice. I had an unfortunate uh, interaction with my previous boss. And it was just like, okay, I think this is my time to go. Like I, I, I learned what I needed to learn here. I could run my own business. I know how to do the insurance billing stuff, which was the scariest piece. So yeah, I just basically like I contacted some friends. I was like, hey, do y'all know where I can find an office space? And one friend was gracious enough to lend me her space, you know, two days a week that she wasn't using it. And I started my business in, when is it? 2018. So um, primarily I focus on folks who have digestive issues, um, anything from IBS, IBD, uh, celiac disease, et cetera, um, thyroid, which is kind of like my, you know, I have a soft spot for that because mm -hmm. that's what I uh, struggle with. Um, I do work with some folks with hormone imbalances. And then of course, you know, you get the people who they want to lose weight, they want to learn how to eat healthier. So I have my own kind of approach to, how we address those things because otherwise most people tend to think of like they got to count calories they got to go keto they got to do this they got to do that and it's just like it does not have to be that complicated yeah. and you certainly do not have to sacrifice your ancestral foods to get the health that you want that's I'm, the biggest piece that i wish i had learned in school they did not dedicate time to that i had to learn that on my own and find other dietitians who were kind of lauding that that um that area so wow. can you repeat wow. that again for the congregation? <laughs> I just you, need that to be heard again, please. Yes. 
you do not need to sacrifice your ancestral foods for the sake of good health. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Yeah. Where yeah. is my church fan? Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Wow. 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 I'm just, I'm just pausing there. <laughs> I'm pausing there. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so are you, so with the, it's, it's, hi, it's hyper hypothyroid. Hypo. So hypo. low, low thyroid hormone production. Yeah. Okay. Hyper is when it's like running rampant. Got it. Is that a, I guess, is there like a stop and forgive my ignorance around this. Okay. I, I'm learning. Is there a stop and start meaning that, you know, you address it, things are leveled, you're fine. Or is it something that is, a, can be a continued issue or just something you all, because once it's, right. um, I guess, activated to a certain level, is it, do you continually have to just like be conscientious of it all the time? So, right. Yeah. So I have my question making sense here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, anytime you have an autoimmune condition, there's always, there's always the potential for you to go into remission. We can't ever say cure, but you can okay. go into remission, but because those kind of pathways are kind of grooved, you can always have a flare up again. Uh, Got it. So funny enough today, I actually went to get my blood drawn to just kind of check like where my thyroid levels at right now, mm -hmm. <laughs> just mm -hmm. to see mm -hmm. how they do it. I check them every year. <clears throat> so yeah, so you can always go into remission and that's always kind of the goal when I'm working with folks who have autoimmune conditions is like, what do we need to do? Diet, lifestyle, stress management, you know, social determinants of health. What are all these factors that we need to, to figure out mm -hmm. to help you get into that remission? Yes. And stay so, there, hopefully. Okay, got it. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to your business, Insight Nutrition, I love that name, Insight Nutrition, and this integrative approach, it is, is that pretty much screaming what, what it says, like integrating like various things. Right. And speaking more so to, uh, well, let me pause there. So like what, I want you to break down your approach. Yeah. When you say integrative, what is your unique approach? <coughs> I also want to dive more into the ancestral foods because I've had loads of conversations around this. Right. And, um, but I'll pause there because it's, yeah. it's my show, but it's not my show, but this is about you, right? <laughs> well, I appreciate that. You're sharing it and I appreciate yes, that. Yes, yes. But uh, yes, share your approach. We'll yeah. So, so I am one of a growing number of dietitians that consider themselves an integrative functional dietitian. It's kind of a branch off of integrative functional medicine. All that means is integrative means that we are looking at all the different systems of your body together as opposed to conventional medicine, which looks at things very compartmentalized. You go to your urologist, you go to your gastroenterologist, you go to your, 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 you know, podiatrist, everything is separate, but we know an integrative functional that everything connects. Um, so we don't, we don't rule anything out and we try to keep things in that connected perspective. <clears throat> um, it also means that it's not just about your body, but it's also about your environment, you know, the lifestyle that you lead you know, your social, you know, factors like, you know, do you have close um, relationships with people around you or are you isolated? That's also a really big factor into one's health. So those are all things that I kind of look at um, and, you know, help clients also be aware of, of like if they're lacking in a certain department, if that's something that we need to figure out how to focus on to help build up their health. Because health is not just my labs look good. I'm in yeah. shape. I got six pack, this, this and that. It's like there's so many other ways to describe health. Um, and we always tend to forget the social piece 
mm-hmm. um, which I think is really important for us as people of color because like our our ancestry comes from a collectivist type of environment, whereas yes. I'm in New England, like this is like the poster child of like rugged individualism, puritanical, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, all that kind of stuff. That's mm-hmm. like you're missing a really crucial piece of somebody's health when you think in isolation. Uh, the functional piece speaks more to like the clinical labs and things like that, that will help kind of clarify the picture of health if we need to. Um, but also certainly, <clears throat> you know, the recommendations we make need to be very effective, mm-hmm. um, particularly addressing if we have somebody who's coming in with some kind of disease or disease, we want to get to that root cause of why are you experiencing this in the first place? We don't want to just put a bandaid on it you know, just give you this medication or tell you to do this. We want to figure out what's the root cause of this so that we can try to get things running more optimally in your life. Not to say that there's not a place for, you know, conventional pharmaceuticals and stuff. They can be very helpful, but we want to use them in as effective and as um, thoughtful of a way as possible, as opposed to just kind of willy-nilly kind of prescribing things. Ray, is it your belief that and I'm not trying to derail the conversation and I can be famous for that but I can also (laughs) bring it back into alignment as well but speaking of dis-ease which I've I've had this conversation before it is it your belief that we as individuals create the dis-ease that's happening in our body have you had that conversation has anybody said that to you is that what what are your thoughts yeah I would say as individuals, we don't create it. As a collective, we perpetuate it. Mm. So because when we focus on like the individual, it's the individual's burden to find out, like to rectify it. But then it's also to a certain degree kind of saying like, well, it's your fault that it happened in the first place. Mm -hmm. That you know, you, you're Mm -hmm. sensitive. So you just, you know, you're more prone to this, this or that or Mm -hmm. the other. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, I take them more and maybe this is my sociology, sociology background, but I take a much more wide stance approach to it. But I think like the culture that we live in this, the kind of Western type of culture certainly perpetuates it. And I, and not to say that individuals don't participate in that, but I don't think that we create it, you know, on our own. Got it. It's influenced by social factors for sure. Absolutely. And I think also, and not from the standpoint and how I phrase the question from a a place of like guilt of like, I created this, you know, Mm. like that, you know, I, this cancer, you know, is stemming from some like resentment or, you know, um, isolation or maybe, but in not, and maybe like unintentionally too, is Mm. I'm asking it Mm -hmm. from that perspective. And so um, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to it at all. I want to get your take on it. Um, But no, thank you for, for, for sharing that. When it comes, I remember, and I always have to shout out the homie, Jeff Edwards. If y'all like, it's just one of my, I, I love all my episodes, but it's really, it's one memorable one because I swear I walk away. I always walk away with that from listening to that show with like, man, like Jeff is just on it. And it was Jeff and Trina. I got to like shout out everybody who I've talked to. Um, Trina here in the, D- in the DMV, probably one of my first, my first like top five guests <laughs> or um, we've had a conversation around ancestral foods. And it was a conversation and Jeff, like he dropped the mic and he said, I need you. He, and I've, I've, I've stated this. You probably heard this, Ray. He told us listeners, he said, um, 
we are, we as individuals, we, we like to learn a lot about history, right? But the most important history that we should be studying and learning is our lineage. Mm -hmm. And part of that is, <clears throat> pardon me, understanding what our ancestors ate. Mm -hmm. Literally going back through the line, what did your grandmother grow? What did, what did, what did her mom grow? What are her mom's mom grow? What did your dad grow? Right. Like, and so um, I just, I remember having that conversation. I just got super excited. And so anytime when you said ancestral, ancestral mm -hmm. foods, like it just made me go back to that episode because yeah. I felt it in my heart when he said it. And I said, let me go back to my, <laughs> to yeah. my grandparents. But I want you to speak more to that. So when you say ancestral foods for those who, you know, may be new mm -hmm. in this space and may just be trying to navigate the space and really understand, um, you know, connecting the lineage in food, yeah. in healing, in nutrition, um, just unpacking that a bit and, and how you would break that down to, yeah. to a client or anyone who's listening. <clears throat> yeah. So ancestor foods, meaning the foods that your ancestors cultivated and ate and found ways of making things that may not have been, you know, um, safe to eat or palatable, palatable. Mm. <clears throat> and, you know, a lot of us have, you know, ancestral backgrounds that go back thousands and thousands of years. You know, in that time, people figured stuff out and they figured out what worked and what didn't work. So for now, and like, especially like in the last, you know, 50, 60, 70 years with like, you know, at least in the US with the way that dietetics rolls, you know, this kind of um, demonization that tends to happen about the foods that we grew up eating, but also not understanding the context in which some of those dishes um, came about um, is really harming. So like, uh, you know, the main diet, most doctors will tell their clients to follow for, for good health is the Mediterranean diet. Like, okay, so you want to tell me that I got to eat like white people. What about all the foods that my indigenous and my African ancestors ate? So like, is that, is that not healthy? Like, what are you trying to say here? So, or what about like, you know, in, even in Asian culture, how different that is from a Mediterranean. So you're going to say that 90% of the global population eats the wrong type of diet because they didn't grow up in the Mediterranean. Like that's just, that's just Looney Tunes. Mm. So, and like, I, I understand where they're trying to get with that, with that idea. But at the same time, so it's like, but you can find those same nutrients in any, you know, in any geographical region. I firmly believe that like mother earth, mother nature did not make anything out of mistake. Everything is available. It just comes in a different format. Mm. Right. So like the kinds of greens that grow, you know, really well in like, you know, North China versus the kinds of greens that can grow like in the Dominican Republic, they probably have a similar nutrient profile. Right. They just look a little bit different. Yep. So why are we, you know, just basically saying like one is better than the other and nobody really takes a deep dive into foods. The only time that ancestral foods get, you know, kind of nice and sexy is when they're called a superfood. Right. Hello. <laughs> so. It happened Hello. to quinoa. It happened to blueberries. You know, now we're seeing a surge of people getting really crazy about cassava and plantain powder. And it's just like, just eat the dang root <laughs> or the, the dang plantain. You know, you don't need a, you don't need it in a powder. Like, what are you doing? So plantain powder is new. I haven't heard that one. That's a, that's a new one that I've been hearing. So as somebody who specializes in digestive health, here's a little tidbit for your, for your uh, uh, listeners. 
anybody who eats plantains and specifically your green plantains, right? Okay. Your tostones, your patacones, like that type of your mangu, mm-hmm. not the right plantains, but <clears throat> green I love plantains. Them all. <laughs> I mean, not, not, I, I love ripe plantains too, but oh. this is specific to green plantains. Mm-hmm. Green plantains, um, the starches are not, are not developed, hence they're not sweet, they're not ripe. Mm-hmm. Those starches, when you cook them and then allow them to cool, form what's called resistant starch. So a resistant starch basically is the name comes from the fact that our enzymes can no longer break that starch down. Our enzymes are the starch is resistant to our enzymes, excuse me. But that resistant starch moves along your digestive tract and gets digested as a fiber. And it feeds a specific bacteria in your colon that produces a very important anti-inflammatory compound called butyric acid. Butyric acid is also found in grass-fed butter. Both of those are very anti-inflammatory, very healing for your gut, also known to cross the blood-brain barrier and help with regulating cognition. So long story short. What? Wait a minute. So I got to <laughs> go get some green plantains. Is that what I'm hearing? Get some green plantains. But you want to make sure that you cook them. <coughs> if you want the resistant starch benefit, you got you to gotta cook them, let them cool. Okay. You can reheat them after that. The resistant starch won't, won't uh, come apart once you reheat it. So like your leftover rice is fine to eat, your leftover mashed potatoes or, or sweet potatoes is fine to eat, that kind of a thing. So this is part of, so plantain powder is being used as a supplement to help people specifically who have um, inflammatory bowel disease because they have high levels of inflammation in their colon. And butyric acid is very healing for that. So those resistant starches from plantains, they just basically put it into a supplement and say like, here, do this. And so it's like, well, why not just eat the damn plantain? Right. Say it ain't so. Say it ain't so. That was more than a tidbit, Ray. (laughs) Eat your plantains, folks. (laughs) No shame. Gosh. Yeah. What does reclaiming your health truly mean to you? Or what should, I mean, (coughs) I I would love to leave it up to the individual to to really define what that means to, to them. But mm-hmm. when you when you hear we need to reclaim our health and your work as a clinician activist, which I love, can you make a t-shirt that says that? Okay. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I never thought of that. T-shirt ideas I've given people on this show. <laughs> I don't know that anybody wants to come to me to buy merch, though. I'm just, I'm not, you never I'm know. Not, mm. I'm a firm believer. There's a market for everybody. I don't care. Yeah. I truly believe that. But, you know, as 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 a clinician activist, I just love the way that this rolls yeah. and and thinking about reclaiming our health. What what does that mean to you? Yeah. So there's a couple things that come to mind. And this is me specifically speaking as a clinician, but I mm-hmm. feel like I can corroborate this also because I am a patient. Mm. <clears throat> the first and foremost is respect the individual and their experience. Mm. Too often clients will walk at or patients will walk into their provider's office and the provider will patronize them and give them information as if they know everything. But they didn't ask that client, what do you eat? You know, do you feel hungry, you know, an hour or two later? How are you sleeping? What's your stress levels like? Like, are you, you know, seeing a therapist? They don't ask really important questions. So they're really not seeing the individual and they're not validating their experience. They just assume, oh, because I have this many years of medical school and training and this is what the literature says, I'm just going to apply this to you but you're really missing a key component of that person's health when you don't involve them, when you don't ask them, when you don't respect them as an individual. So that's part of why I call my business Insight Nutrition because I really, I have information. I have guidelines, I have protocols, I have all this stuff, but it means nothing to me if I'm not engaging with my client 
and really getting a sense of who they are, how they move through the world um, to figure out like what's going to, where am I going to find the, the pieces, the insight to give you feedback so that we can figure out how to make this work. Yeah. And that doesn't happen if I'm not talking to the person like they're an actual person. So like all of my sessions are an hour to 40 minutes so that I'm really giving that dedication and that time to that person. So that's first and foremost, respect the individual and their experience. Mm -hmm. The second <clears throat> is certainly, you know, people seeking out the education, but also providers need to provide options. So like if somebody comes to me and says, you know, I'm having, you know, uh, digestive issues, what do I do about that? What do I need to eat? And I'm like, well, you could do this diet, which is really restrictive, or we could try this thing that will probably heal your root cause. So like giving people options so that they can have some kind of ownership of how their health journey goes, but also giving them education behind like, if we do this option, it's going to do X, Y, and Z. If we do this option, it's going to do X, Y, and Z. You know, and if there's financial factors, I always bring that up because I'm very sensitive about yeah. money. Yeah. I'm very frugal myself. Yeah. So I'm just like, if we do this, it'll save you money. If we do that, it's going to cost you a buck, but it's going to give us more information. So what do you feel more comfortable with? Where are you financially at? It's whatever choice you make mm. is fine with me. I just want to let you know what I can offer you and what those options are so you can make an informed decision. Health should be a collaborative effort. It shouldn't just be, I'm telling you X, Y, Z because I have credentials behind my name. It means nothing. Yeah. yeah. And the third a lot of the practitioner yeah. in patient relationships, unfortunately. So yeah, I feel like a lot of the way that I practice, I learned from having really poor experiences myself mm -hmm. and me being like, I don't want to perpetuate that with any of my clients as, yeah. as much as I can help that. I don't want to fall into this like big ego, you know, you need to listen to me, whatever. It's just like, no, you're, you live in your body 24 seven. So you're the expert, really. I'm just trying to the same way that a therapist just helps you have a wider perspective mm -hmm. of what's going on for you. That's how I treat my work is like, I'm just here to hold a wider perspective of what's going on for you so that I can help you figure out where, where it may make sense for us to pay attention and make adjustments to see if that gets you where you want to go. Yeah. Okay. I think the last thing I'd say is, um, people, you know, certainly advocate for yourself. If your doctor or other healthcare provider tells you something and it doesn't sit right with you, don't just take their information, ask questions. And if they're not going to answer your questions, or if they make you feel, um, if they make you feel ashamed for asking the question, or if they make you feel stupid for asking the question, fire them, keep moving, find somebody else. Mm. The same information. So I, I have tattoos. You can't see them right now. But the first time I went to get a tattoo, I walked into this guy's studio uh, and he could tell that I was like, I didn't know what I was doing. Cause I was just like, you know, it was this cute little green thing. And, uh, <laughs> and he goes, is this your first time getting a tattoo? And I was like, yeah. Like, are you looking at other shops? I was like, yeah, I was going to, but you know, someone recommended you guys. So I want to check you guys out first. And he's like, okay. He's like, you seem very sweet. And I just want to give you some advice. Like whether you or not, you want to go with me or not, ask them about this, ask them about this. And if they're not excited about the design you're bringing, find somebody else. Because the last thing you want to do is be sitting in a chair bleeding by somebody who's an a-hole. Oh, and as soon as he said wow. that, I was like, forget it. I'm sticking with you because you gave it to me straight. I appreciate that. Yes. So it's the exact same thing I tell my clients when they start telling me, like, my doctor, you know, anytime I recommend tests, I always try to go through the doctor first because insurance is more likely to cover it. If mm -hmm. I order a test, they're going to have to pay out of pocket, mm -hmm. which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, so I really try. I'm like, let's try to get it to go through your doctor first. And a lot of times people will get pushback from their doctor. I'm like, all right, well, you have a choice. You can either find another doctor who'll do it or we can go my route. And I try really hard to find providers who 
will do the testing that I'm asking for. It's really hard to develop those relationships. Mm -hmm. But uh, but yeah, advocate for yourself. And then the last thing is, it's okay if you need hand-holding. Sometimes people come to me and they just assume, well, I didn't do the thing you told me to do last time, so let's just cancel the appointment. So it's like, no, 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 I'm here to hold, I'm here to help you. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not just here's X, Y, Z, and you got to do the task. Like, this isn't school where you're coming for an A or an F, right? Right. You're showing up as a human being. I'm also showing up as a human being, but I'm here to help you. So if you need handholding to figure out, like, what are the hidden factors behind why I can't do this thing? Why I can't exercise regularly? Why I can't drink that extra glass Mm. of water? Why I can't, you know, do X, Y? There's probably some things going on. So let me help you figure that out so we can come up with a strategy. So that was a lot. So (laughs) a lot of steps to reclaiming your health. A lot of different ways y'all can do that. Those are some golden nuggets. I hope, you know, people are taking note, write your notes down. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, let's let's pivot just a a tad um, before we we wrap up. I know that um, growing food is a super duper part of of your... uh, your life, yes. your daily <laughs> or weekly, how often you do trying it. Trying to. <laughs> trying to, right? Right. Or, but the yeah. intentionality behind it and just your, your, your love for it and, and just knowing. And from what I understand, um, you know, growing was, was part, saved your life, you know? Um, and so I, yeah. Definitely want to speak more to, um, I know that you volunteer at a, a lovely um, farm um, in Dor- Dorchester, I yes. believe, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And um, it is, uh, definitely want to hear more about how that part um, contributes to and supports the work that you do for Insight yeah. Nutrition, but also just personally how that's helped you in your healing journey yeah. as well. So, yeah. So, Somehow food has always been involved in my life, whether it was like I was, you know, standing on top of a stool, like, you know, sealing the empanadas for like Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner Yes. <coughs> or like my father had a farm in the Dominican Republic and he would grow like pomelos and coconuts and things like that. When I lived in Ithaca, I volunteered at a farm because I at that point when I was getting into nutrition, I had I really understood that, you know, the health of our health is only as good as the health of the soil that the food is growing in. Mm -hmm. I knew that very early on. And I knew that there was something that I could glean from participating in agriculture that would give me a leg up above all the other dietitians um, because then I could communicate that importance to my clients. And then also having worked in the food service industry. So I've worked in food in like different aspects, (coughs) but nothing gives me more joy than like working in, in at the farm. So it was something that, during the pandemic, like all of us, you know, uh, needed something to do. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, a lot of my friends had left the Boston area. So I was just kind of like, you know, when you're an adult in your mid thirties and you're like, your friends all leave, it's just like, crap. And I got to learn how to make friends again. Like this is so much easier when I was in school. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, so thankfully a friend of mine that I used to work with, he always knew that I wanted to, you know, grow, um, get into growing food. He was already volunteering at this farm, Oasis on Baloo, which is in Dorchester. And he's like, yo, you should come by. You should meet Apollo, the farm manager. Like, he's really cool, this, this, and that. I was like, all right, sure, I'll show up. And, you know, as soon as I got there, I just, like, fell in love with the place. Um, and Apollo is just, like, the greatest. Like, he's very charming, very sweet. He's, like, he, he feels like an uncle. <laughs> um, I so that. I just, like, immediately felt like I was at home. And there's just something, and I'm sure everyone can attest to this on your show, 
but there's something very healing about like getting your hands in the dirt, you know, tickling an earthworm, you know, watching something grow from a little seed to a little plant to like, then you get to harvest. Like it's very satisfying. Um, and I've just always loved being outside in the dirt anyway. So, so for me, it was just kind of like a very, <clears throat> it was the thing that gave me the social outlet I needed in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, it was giving me um, a very sensory type of grounding experience, which was very helpful for my trauma. Um, I, you know, I'm still in recovery from a lot of, you know, childhood trauma, <coughs> excuse me, um, a lot of it, which leads to feelings of essentially kind of dissociation where like, I just all of a sudden, I feel like I'm out of my body. And it takes a lot for me to come back grounded into my body. But Mm -hmm. anytime I'm at Oasis, and as soon as I'm like, you know, I'm crouching down, I'm pulling stuff, I'm, you know, getting dirty, I immediately come right back into my body. So it's it's basically kind of like my happy place. Wow. Um, Yeah, so I I volunteer when I can, because I am very busy with my practice, but I try to go as often as I can um, to, you know, kind of help out. I, the farmer is very gracious. He's letting me kind of experiment with some tomatoes right now, <laughs> which I just went to check on today. And I'm like, hopefully these make it before, you know, <laughs> October. Yeah. <laughs> like it harvest them. They're kind of late bloomers, but we'll see how they go. But, uh, yeah, there's just, and then the community that just comes out of Oasis. We also have a sister farm, uh, about 45 minutes West of Boston. Um, called Global Village. Um, so, you know, the, the kind of, I've only been there twice though, but like the relationship between a rural farm and an urban farm is just really beautiful to see and the, how we kind of support each other. You know, the, the, the community just kind of grows out of Oasis. Um, it's just, it, I haven't experienced anything like that since I lived in Ithaca. And I think the benefit of like having lived in a small town is <clears throat> you really get a sense of community and, and of, of integration and importance that when you live in a city, it's very difficult to kind of find those kinds of spaces. So to find that at Oasis, which feels very appropriately named, yeah, it just feels like it feels like an Oasis. And I, I absolutely love the place. So, That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Is it something that you recommend um, as part or as part of your approach um, with insight nu- nutrition? Um, and I re- realizing that not everyone's there, you know, some people like, I'm not, I'm not digging on no dirt, you know, <laughs> not yeah. me, I will, but I'm just saying, it's just realizing where folks are meeting them where they are. Um, right. but just, just wanting to know, is that a conversation or just, or do you, some, and I, I'm sure it depends on who you're, you're mm-hmm. working with. Um, but just, recommending recommending that you know as part mm-hmm. of their their journey and their healing journey um yeah i definitely um it comes up in a couple of different ways like if if some people if i mention it and they happen to live close by i'll be like yo come through like you know just come anytime you know just basically i show up and apologist tells me like okay today we're doing this i'm like okay you know and i just do what i'm told yeah. and i'm happy to do that you know so some people like just want to come through and just experience it for themselves and some people they're just, they don't have the time or they're physically not capable of, you know, being hunched down on the ground, yeah. you know, on their knees, that kind of a thing. Yes. So it's like, okay, just come through for a tour, if anything, or just kind of impressing the importance of supporting your local farmer if and when you can. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> because not only is that going to help local economies, but also from a nutrition perspective, those folks are going to pay much more attention to the quality of the soil, which means you're going to get a higher quality food product at the, at the end when you, when it's harvested versus what you're picking up at the grocery store. I'm sure everyone's had this experience of like the difference of a tomato when it's grown at a farm versus when you pick it up at the grocery store. 
you can never i we uh, we talk about this all the yeah. time on the show once yeah. you had Night a homegrown tomato like you just you <laughs> won't go to the store to go get a tomato like yeah. <laughs> yeah. i'm pretty sure that i don't <coughs> buy and it's very rare that i buy tomatoes from the grocery store because i i, I have a csa which i got to shout mm -hmm. out my csa three-part harmony farm out in dc i've been getting amazing amazing um organic produce here yeah. um, from the city but it's hard once you have that tomato and don't you don't get a sweet heirloom or one of them <laughs> sweet cherry oh my gosh you yeah my snacks you can't go back yeah so um so you know letting people know about <clears throat> the importance of soil quality, mm -hmm. especially like compared to like, you know, big agricultural yeah. kind of um, productions. I have a couple of, a friend of mine is a farmer. He's actually down in Mexico right now. So he would tell me a lot about like, you know, this is what we do in like larger scale agriculture and this, this and that. So like, I'm like, okay, I take those tidbits and I share that with my clients. I'm like, look, if and when you can try to prioritize your money to go this way with your food, yeah. so you get a much better quality product. But if you can't, you know, then here's, you know, it, it's not the end of the world because yeah. everybody has, you know, their finances in, in, in different exactly. ways that they have to kind of arrange. But but there's also different options. So like, you know, going to the farmer's market, like, you know, at this point, most farmer's markets will accept, um, you know, will accept like uh, food subsidies and things mm -hmm. like that to help pay for yep. groceries. So mm -hmm. um, so even just like frequenting your farmer's market and that kind of a thing. CSAs are a really great option, too. CSAs are a really great option. And if you actually come across a CSA, um, that may, I know my CSA does this and I'm grateful that they do this. So for, um, depending on like what shares they may have left over, mm -hmm. um, they will prioritize, um, giving those shares out to low income families, you know, for free. And I, um, I would love to see more, more of that, but you know, there are, I'm sure there are other CSAs who, yeah. who do the same and, um, just a, a really great way to, to get produce out to those who, cause I mean, honestly, yeah. like I'm grateful that I can afford a CSA. Not everybody can do that. Yeah. Um, and interesting enough, right. When I, when I started what I didn't really know what this platform was going to be, I actually started learning about soil and I, me did not know how important soil health was to mm -hmm. our food and to our bodies until I started reading more about this. And then I was just mad at the whole system, right? Because I was yeah. just like, we've been bamboozled. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I think I'll, I'll say the one, the one nutrient that I, in my practice I find is the most important and we get the least of, especially if you're prioritizing buying produce from the grocery store, is magnesium. Magnesium has over 200 different functions in the body, including helping with maintaining a stable weight, mm -hmm. glucose regulation, thyroid hormone utilization, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Muscle relaxation. So if you're somebody who has a lot of muscle tension or cramps, yeah. magnesium is really helpful. But magnesium depletes very quickly when we're, particularly when we're stressed. Um, foods that are richest in magnesium, interesting enough, leafy greens. But how yes. many people are prioritizing leafy greens on a day-to-day -day basis? I'm not surprisingly very few. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you that. Yeah. Um, so things like that, or even like pumpkin seeds, who's eating pumpkin seeds on a regular basis. And I love pumpkin right? seeds. You know, um, avocados, eh, maybe people are eating avocados, you know, somewhat regularly. Um, fish, fish could, goes here or there, you know, some people love it. Some people hate it. Mm -hmm. The fish is also a really great source of magnesium mushrooms. That's another one. People either love it or they hate it. Mushrooms you know, are great. 
But it's just like all the the one the one food that everyone gets right when it comes to magnesium is chocolate. <laughs> well, I got you all day long, honey. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> your, your dark chocolate will give your you better. Your dark chocolate. Yeah, and we'll I love me some magnesium. dark chocolate. Yes. So, but yeah, magnesium is just one example. But like a lot of the, you know, large scale agricultural uh, practices, the soils are not being replaced with magnesium. But when you go into a, like a smaller scale, they are going to be focusing on replacing all of those nutrients. So, Ray, this has been a delight. Yeah. Thank you for sharing so many. They're not even tidbits. Like, a lot. These are golden nuggets. We should be writing you a check, Ray. We need to write you a check. This is awesome. I also take Venmo. Yes, yes, yes. Well, we don't need to I'm worry gonna, about no snail mail. I am going to drop in your Instagram handle so that folks know where to find you. But just go ahead as I'm doing this, just shout out where they can find you on Instagram as I put this in. I'm also going to put in your website as well. So if folks want to connect with you, they can do that. And then I'm going to ask my final question and we're going to wrap up. Yeah. So I'm on, I am on Instagram. I'm not super active. I'm trying to change that <laughs> come next year, but it's a, at insightnutrition.ray. Uh, the website is www.insightnutritionandwellness.com. Um, I am primarily uh, based in Massachusetts and Rhode Island, but I am licensed in Maryland and D.C., so I do see folks in those areas virtually. Occasionally, I do make it down there to see folks in person. I'll let those folks know when that happens. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's that's where y'all can find me. Awesome. Ray, what is one edible act that anybody can take right after listening to this show? Yeah, this is, a, I was like, I'm thinking on this question because I'm like, I've been a long time listening to this podcast. And I think the probably the one nugget I would have to say is prioritize yourself. Mm. Self-care is health care. If Ooh. you are sacrificing all of your time and your energy for the work just because you need that paycheck, which I understand the hustle. I work two jobs, so I get that. But if you let that run your life and you don't, you know, fill, basically fill up your own cup, if you're not reserving some of that time and energy for you and you just burn out, then, you know, you're not going to shine as brightly as we need you to shine. So self-care is healthcare. Prioritize yourself. Take that day off. Take that mental health day off. Go to the spa. Do your own mani-pedi. Go for a walk. Call up a girlfriend and just, you know, kiki on the phone all day long. Whatever it is you need to do to, to keep your mental health, to keep your social engagements, and to make you feel good about yourself, do that. And on that note, y'all... <laughs> Mic drop. All right. Ray, thank you so much. You all go follow <laughs> Ray on Instagram. If you have any further questions, want to connect, if anything stuck out to you and you're feeling like I need to connect with Ray, go ahead. Not for free. Let me be very clear. Don't, don't nobody reach out for free. All right. All right. This is a business. Sorry to say that. Do not. Okay. All right. We're going to re respect the work, respect the art, the artist, or the yeah. owner, the creative, all the things. But no, on a serious tip, go ahead and connect that, with Ray. Online. That being said, I do take insurance. <laughs> well, there you, there you That's have your it. That's your copay. There you have it. There you have it. But thank you all. Thank you so much, Ray, for being on the show. Yeah, Ray has definitely been a long-time listener of the Edible Activist Podcast. We have never met in person. This is as close <laughs> as we gotten to meeting in person. And I'm just super grateful for all of my, my dedicated supporters and listeners. So I appreciate you, Ray. Um, and again, if you all have not subscribed to YouTube, please find Food Talks in color on YouTube and subscribe. Um, if you like the show, go ahead and like, comment, and share. It goes a very long way. Um, until next time, I will see you all next Monday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And... Take care of yourselves, right? Peace. Yes.
Thanks for tuning in. You can catch today's episode on iTunes, Spotify, and Simplecast. And be sure to follow us at Food Talks in Color, that's just the letter N, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And did you know we are on Patreon? This is a way for you to take action and support our mission of amplifying BIPOC voices on the Edible Activist Podcast. Visit patreon.com backslash food talks in color to learn more. Peace and blessings. And remember, in the great words of Baba Tariq Adunu, there is no culture without agriculture.